Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is the Action Network Podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the golf edition of the podcast, and it's a major championship week for the first time in two years. We have the Open Championship coming up, of course, postponed and then canceled last year, but the festivities are about to get underway at Royal St. George's. I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. He's Justin Ray from the 21st Group. We'll be joined in a little bit by our friend Sam Harrop, who, oh, by the way, nailed the winner of the Scottish Open on this very podcast last week, Min Woo Lee. So uh, Sam will be on to share all of his winnings with us in just a little bit. Jay. Dude, the dude pulled off his warmups and just spotted up from the half court line and knocked one down. First, cool. first start, Min Woo Lee. What do you have? Oh, this is awesome. Awesome, Sam. Nowhere to go with that. Supposed to start by sandbagging, but he's going to have to give us shots now. It's true. That was not the veteran play. It was impressive, but not the veteran play. So let's get into I, I We can sit here and review Minwoo Lee and Lucas Glover. Congratulations to him. First win in just over a decade. Uh, good stuff this past weekend, but even better stuff coming up. And let's move right on to spinning it forward to this week's Open Championship. I, first, I, I will start out very generically. How fired up are you and how little sleep are you going to get this week, Jay Ray? Uh, incredibly little, but my infant son has been training me appropriately over the last several months and uh, incredibly excited, man. I mean, you know me. I love the Open Championship. We've both been fortunate enough to go many times. They run a golf tournament like no one else in the world. And it's just such a, the, the, and there's obviously all the wonderful ties into history, but it's the, the unique style of golf and, and you, you know, when you're in the U S it's, it's the early morning golf and there's just a million awesome things about the open championship. And I'm just so excited that it's back. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, we'll not be going over there this year. Uh, hope to be getting back next year for St. Andrews, which is, I always say the big one for uh, number one fifty. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite. People always say like, what's your favorite tournament to cover? And it's not just the open, it's the open at the old course at St. Andrews is like, far and away number one on my list and then everything else kind of comes after that and so yeah this should be a great one at Royal St. George's last 
Uh, two times this was played here. Darren Clark in 2011 was 150 to one, came away the winner. Eight years earlier, Ben Curtis, who was, I did the research, Justin. They said 300 to one, 500 to one. I, come on. If anyone was like picking out Ben Curtis, like, oh, I, I feel like he's a good number at 300 to one. That's some good value there. Give me a break. You, you were not doing that 18 years ago. And so somebody, uh, somebody nine pints in stumbled into William Hill and thought it said Ben Crenshaw. And that's, and that's what happened. I mean, I don't, I don't, there's there no, to be that story. If anybody's got a winning ticket story on Ben Curtis from 18 years ago, I mean, one, you're lying, but two, it'd be an awesome one to hear, even if you're fabricating it. Cause um, you know, weather played a big factor, both of those years. Um, I think it speaks to, you know, one of my favorite numbers about this golf course going into the week is that there's only two, there's three open championship weeks where the field hit less than 56% greens in regulation since 2003 two of them were on this golf course they were 03 in 2011 2008 was the only other one um i think that just speaks to the fact that everybody's going to miss greens here there's going to be a little bit of oh i don't i don't necessarily want to say luck but a little bit of randomness involved in terms of if you end up in some of these really catastrophic spots in these bunkers only 34 percent of the field got up and down from the sand in 2011 i think that speaks to not only is it difficult, but you can end up in some really tough spots within those bunkers by the greens, and it's going to be kind of an interesting thing to keep an eye on. You might not say it. I'll say it. It, it comes down to some luck at this place. Uh, look, strokes gain luck is going to be a very big metric this week. Uh, speaking of metrics and speaking of breaking down these courses, I, I'm going to admit I'm a little mad at you. I'm a little in awe of you. I'm a little jealous of you. You have done what I, I've tried to do in the past, just didn't really have all of the – all the numbers there didn't really know how to do it. And the sample size wasn't quite there for a lot of the players, but you at PGA tour.com have written a piece breaking down the best links golfers right now. So tell us who are they? So a little bit of background. We were able to gather every round played in European tour events in coastal courses on the British Isles since 2010. So just to give you the full disclaimer, links ish type players, there's not a real set firm and fast type definition of what links golf is. I know we, it's like, you know, it when you see it, right, you know, it when you see it, and that's kind of the way we tried to group that in um, the first guy that I started with, I really had to dig deep when, you know, really dig deep Ooh. telling you how great John Rahm is at links golf. I mean, Oh, wow. That guy. So unpredictable, you know, for a dude in his last 12 rounds everywhere around the world, he's never been worse than 11th after any of them. Um, and birdie, making birdie or better more than 30% of his holes in that span, just on an unbelievable streak. But that's translated to Lynx golf. He averages 1.8 strokes gained per round on those style of courses in his career so far. Among all the players since 2010 with 30 or more rounds, that's the absolute best of anybody. He absolutely crushes par fives on Lynx courses, gains more than a quarter of a stroke. He's able to take advantage of his link. And then he does basically everything well through his bag. I know that he does that pretty much every week, but that does continue into links golf. So what you got question for you? Sorry to cut you off there, but I want to interject. Is it fair to ask whether John Rahm's win probability on a links course is actually higher than on a Parkland course? And is it fair to suggest that John Rahm's odds should be shorter on a links course than on a regular Parkland course? It's a good question. I would say that just from a strict probability perspective, most of the time when you play on these links courses, Outside of the Open Championship, if you're in a, just a European Tour event, the field strength is going to be a little bit lower than, than the normal events that John Rahm's in in the States. And so, yeah, inherently his win probability would go up. But I, ha- I will say that looking through the numbers, he is 
he is better on links courses than he is on regular courses. And that's saying something, right? Like this, that's really speaking to, to, really? to how, how good he's been in this style of golf, winning the Irish open a couple of times, his career is just dotted with high finishes in, in all the different, you know, in all these different times he's played this style of golf course. So um, yeah, but <laughs> if I were Rom, I'd, I'd care absolutely not at all about all that. Cause he's just absolutely on fire and just rolling right now. Can you make the not point that John Rom? first of all, has a better win probability on a Lynx course than on a regular Parkland course. And secondly, that his odds should be shorter on a Lynx course than on a Parkland course. Yes. I think that the, the, his win probability going into this will, and in general, when he goes to a Lynx course is higher out of the gates. Now over the scope of his career, you're typically going to get, if it's not an open championship, you're going to get weaker fields in some of those Lynx courses. So inherently yeah, yeah. his win probability would be higher in some of those European tour events, but yes, because he's had so much success in that limited, you know, block of a dozen, 15 starts on these link style courses in his pro career. Um, he definitely would have a higher win probability than normal. Another guy who does a guy who finished one shot out of a playoff in 2015, won the open championship two years later, he leads all players since 2015 at the open in scoring average in percentage of rounds in the sixties in one putts, He's got a lot, ton of great numbers at the Open Championship in his career. The biggest number, though, for him, he is excellent scrambling on Lynx courses. His scrambling percentage in his career on Lynx courses is more than 10% better than the opposition, than the field mm-hmm. average during that span, which is a huge number. That is an enormous differential. It really separates him. He gains two full strokes per round on the field, on Lynx courses in his career. That's the best of any player since 2010 with 20 or more rounds. So, I know that historically you can throw Jordan Spieth in a lot of these youngest since first since X conversations, but as a Lynx player, he has been excellent in his career and he's somebody you've got to take into account. Another guy who I was a little bit surprised and go ahead, Jason. You've already nailed the guys who are two and three on my list, ranking the entire field so far this week, by the way. So you're, you're doing a very good job with this. I appreciate that. Nice. Very good. I'm glad (laughs) I could, uh, I could, you know, confirm your suspicions on that regard. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you this, and you may have seen this earlier. I tweeted it out, but the only player to finish in the top 10 each of the last two Open Championships, 2018 and 2019. I was a little surprised by this. I know he had success at the Open and had a really good week in 2019 when Shane Lowry ultimately ran away with it on Sunday. Do you know the player I'm referring to? I do because I follow you on Twitter. So (laughs) I happen to read your tweet about it. And I know that it's Tony Finau, and I'm still not buying your statistical analysis of Tony Finau being a great Lynx player. I just, I get it. I get the numbers. I get that it's math. I'm still, I'm not buying into it. Sorry. So Tony has been good to great at basically every facet of golf in Lynx golf in his career. His driving distance obviously is always a big issue, but he can generate kind of a lower ball flight to take advantage of some of the little bit of run out more so than like John Rahm, who has a higher ball flight. Finau, he can hit it any trajectory he wants, obviously, but he averages 12.6 yards more than the field average in driving distance, gets a huge head start. He's hit more than 71% of his greens in regulation on Lynx courses. That's a huge number. The big surprise to me, his scrambling numbers are awesome on Lynx courses as well, and he has fewer putts per round than the average player, too. So, I mean, Tony Finau across the board has been really exceptional in his career on Lynx courses, averages one and a half strokes under par per round in his career on Lynx courses, which is really exceptional because almost the entire sample size is at the open championship. It's not at an Irish open or another open, which you might have easier scoring conditions. So he was a guy who was interesting. 
And I'll go, I'll give you one more name that I thought was kind of interesting to look at because he's had a really consistent open championship career. Best highlighted probably by one really unfortunate moment down the stretch in 2012. Um, but Adam Scott, seven top 25s at the Open Championship since 2011, one of the most consistent performers in Lynx golf over the last decade plus. Um, averages 1.7 strokes gained total per round, a really good number in his career, third best among players with 40 or more rounds in the study we did. So um, I think Adam Scott has some value going into this week because he, I mean, he's way down on the odds board. I like him to maybe top 20 or possibly even top 10, but those are some of the guys who, who rate out really high. Xander Shoffley is another guy who rates out really high. Um, who might be my favorite outright on the board for the week. I mentioned that I've got Spieth, Rom, 2-3 on the list for this coming week. Uh, let's look at the odds board just a little bit for this week. John Rom, uh, these things are going to change a little bit, but it's Monday evening right now as we're recording. John Rom. Hang on, is- someone else drop out yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, we've had 16 players drop out. I, I, I said on the radio today that this is going to be, I, and I've been ranking the field for years and years now, this is going to be the toughest one to rank the whole field because at some point another guy's going to drop out and you can't just slot in the next guy in at 156. Like it's going to be a decent player that gets in as the 17th alternate and he's going to have to go to 87th and I'm going to have to like change the numbers for every player and move everyone down a notch and it's going to be really messy for all the editing work that goes into it's going to be like during the nfl draft you know they have the mel kuiper's best available mm-hmm. that's going to be kind of what the situation where you have going well all right, that guy's off the board all right that guy's off the board and it's still <laughs> moving throughout the entire week so hopefully yeah. not hopefully we don't have that hopefully we've hit our number and and, and the guys are safely over there no more covid and and we're able to have the championship but um definitely a, a storyline to keep an eye on because they're dropping like flies man among those who are out, Hideki Matsuyama, the Masters champion, Bubba Watson is out, Zach Johnson is now out. And, you know, I felt really badly for the CBS crew, which was doing a great job covering the John Deere Classic. Lucas Glover finished before the last few groups, and they're, it looks like he's going to win. They're trying to develop some storylines for the last few players. They're talking about Ryan Moore, and if he finishes above everyone else who's already in the field, then he gets into the Open Championship field, and what a great uh, finish that would be for Ryan Moore and he gets to make the trip and get on the plane and they'd been talking about that for the last 30 minutes of the telecast or, or so and then Moore finishes up and says nah I'm not going that's okay <laughs> and, and so it's just uh, another just another guy who's just nah it's just it's too much um, uh, I'm I'm staying out so um, yeah there's been I believe the numbers up to 16 players who uh, for travel reasons for COVID reasons for uh, other reasons for reasons not even given have decided not to play this week. But of those playing, John Rahm, 8-1. to one, We talked all about him and his uh, win probability on a Lynx course. You do make a really good point, Jay Ray, that maybe it's just even more impressive that he's played so well on Lynx courses because he does have a high ball flight, maybe hits it higher than any other elite player in the world. Just does everything really well. I think that's what it speaks to is that, I mean, you can basically, his course type at this point is just earth. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, he fits basically everywhere. And, um, you know, the Lynx courses are no exception. He's been able to excel and modify his game when needed, hit the right shots. You know, he's a creative shot maker. I don't think he gets enough credit for that as well. Um, you know, just I, I, I wonder if you think maybe he's one of the biggest favorites we've had going into an open championship in some time. Because I think, I mean, I think I was thinking about a few years ago when DJ's slipped on the stairs he had won three times in a row going into the Mm -hmm. masters that was a pretty big favorite Um, but going into a major championship it's tough to think of 
you know, I see him at eight to one and next is 18 to one. Uh, it's a pretty big separation there. Things are changing. Things are uh, moving by the minute right here. But John Rahm, Jordan Spieth is he's moving a little bit in the markets. He is uh, 14 to one to 16 to one, maybe even find him still at 18 to one somewhere. That's about where he started the week. Brooks Kepka right behind him, followed by Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley, a lot of the usual names. Justin Thomas still holding steady at 20 to one. That's an interesting number there for JT. Colin Morikawa and Louis Ustay is at 25 to one, moving a little bit further in this top tier. Bryson DeChambeau at 30, Victor Hovland at 30. Then we get into the Tyrrell Hatton, Patrick Reed, Patrick Cantley, Paul Casey mix around 35 to one. That kind of closes out that top tier right there. Um, obviously we like Rom. He is the best player in the world, even if uh, he has moved down to number two after a seventh place finish at the Scottish Open last week, which doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense when Dustin Johnson wasn't playing. But I turn your pitchforks and your and your blowtorches towards the OWGR anytime that happens, right? I, I love I love doing that. I put it on social media and people are like, How could that happen? I'm like, well, it's, it's math, but people like to get fired up about math. And who doesn't love math? Come on. Everyone's favorite. You Especially do. when you get sports and just ruin it with math. Of this top tier, who's your favorite player in here? Who's a guy that you might actually bet from the top tier that has a, you know, you think has a decent price next to his name? I'm looking down a little bit, but not too far. Uh, a guy I mentioned who has really pretty terrific prowess on Lynx courses throughout his career. It's, it's a small sample size so far, but he's been really impressive. Xander Shoffley's a machine in major championships. We know how good he is finishing in the top 10, more than half of his career appearances in the majors. He ranks fourth or better in every scoring statistic in the major championship since 2017. Um, gains more than 1.8 strokes per round on the field on Lynx courses. Uh, had a top 10 finish at the Scottish Open. And another thing I like that I noticed, he has gone back to his conventional putting grip, which was a source of a lot of contention at the U.S. Open. Um, I like that move for, for a lot of obvious reasons. Um, I, I think there's a – I've got a – look, we know at some point he's going to break through and win a major championship, right? He's just too talented. I know he hasn't won in a while, so there might be a little bit of fear there. Um, but maybe, hey, maybe that increases that win equity number just a little bit for you. So thinking that maybe he's due. So um, I like Xander a lot this week. I don't know what you think. I like Xander, and it's hard to argue his major championship record. What I don't like is that number for a guy who hasn't won a golf tournament in two and a half years. I mean, it's fair. Yeah, it's more than just a coincidence at this point. It's a trend. It's a pattern. And the guy hasn't been winning. He plays great. I think he has all the tools to be a number one golfer in the world. And I think he's a tremendous player. But at some point, he's got to win something. And this is too long without a win for me to back him at a major championship where um, a lot of other factors and variables can come into play. I, I like Jordan Spieth a lot this week. I like Rory McIlroy a decent amount this week. If I have to bet one of those guys outright from that top tier, I'm going with a guy that has a high ceiling and a low floor. I have no idea what to expect from Victor Hovland this week. It hmm. could blow up on me. He could easily miss the cut and just, you know, he throws a nine out there somewhere and gets lost in a bunker and just never regains it. Or he could just get on fire. Look, he says, I suck at chipping. You don't, you know, the chipping's different over there. You can kind of just punch at him a little bit. And this or dude might just hits 17 greens and doesn't have to worry about chipping, right? All I mean. that too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Which he's totally capable. Of. He's certainly capable of it. I, I think that at some point in the next few years, Victor Hovland's game becomes more consistent. I think that right now, though, 
like I said, he's got that high ceiling. I mean, I don't think anyone would be surprised if Victor Hovland comes out as the champion golfer of the year this week. Um, but I also think that there's some missed cut equity as well that you can sit there, like basically just bet him outright and bet him to miss the cut. And one of those could hit. So uh, one is last I, start too, right? BMW. Yes, he did. There so, you go. I mean, I, I don't, yeah. I don't mind it. You know, I, I think that if I'm looking at those uh, top tier players, he's a guy that I like. We all agree he's going to win a major championship at some point, just like Xander Shoffley, but there's a few guys I just like a little bit more than him this week. All right. So Mr. Analytics, you're not going to like this at all, but life's all about balance, Jason. All right. Okay. You know, all right. Life's all, right, all about balance. It's why I enjoy a drink or two at night. Even if I worked out that day, you got to balance things out. Okay. okay. You gotta, so a little cool. bit of a non-analytics. That's fine. I'm good with that. Well, see what your balance scales think about me going with strokes gained magic this week. Uh, you look at the first three major champions, and I'm trying to find some sort of trend, some pattern going into this one. Basically, the first three majors of the year have given us great storylines. Hideki Matsuyama, first Japanese player on the men's side to ever win a major championship. Great story in his homeland and you know, obviously brought a lot of eyeballs to the game. Phil Mickelson, enough said. I think we all understand what Phil has done for the game and winning at the age of 50, the oldest major champion to ever do it. And of course, John Rahm, who had fate and destiny and karma and all sorts of things working in his favor at Torrey Pines, all of which leads to my favorite play on the board this week, Lee John Westwood, who of course is, I believe, set to tie or break the all-time record for most major appearances without a victory. I don't think he gets there. I say he goes out and wins this thing at the age of 48, maybe inspired a little bit by Phil Mickelson. He's in a great spot in his career. In fact, this, this pick dates 16 months back to the Honda Classic last year, which I know is a weird place to make your 2021 Open Championship pick at the 2020 Honda Classic. But remember speaking well, West of West Palm Beach is where all futures are decided. I mean, uh, let's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, it's usually the end of the future for a lot of people in West Palm Beach. (laughs) (laughs) Not much future left. (laughs) Uh, I remember speaking to Westwood there and I'm talking to him and I said, Lee, you seem like happy and relaxed and refreshed and recharged. I said, what's going on? He goes, yeah, life is awesome. So, you know, I'm just, I'm having a great time. If I feel like playing golf, I play golf. If I don't feel like playing golf, I don't play golf. I do whatever I want, whenever I want. And I'm having the time of my life right now. And I, I walked away from that interview thinking to myself, this man is going to win the Open Championship this year. And I think he might have, except for one little problem is that they didn't play the Open Championship last year. So I'm hoping that it translates into uh, this year instead and this week. And uh, I still like him. He's still playing solid golf. Uh, he had a couple of good rounds at the Scottish Open last week before falling back a little bit off the pace on the weekend. But this is the type of place where, look, you're not going to overpower it. it. takes experience and guile and intelligence and creativity and precision and all of the things that Lee Westwood has basically had for the entirety of his career the last 25 years. And so uh, he's my play this week, and I just think the storylines can continue. That's interesting. I mean, look, the Open Championship values experience more than any of the other majors by far. Um, since 2011, the average age of winners at the Open, I think, is just over 35, which is far and away the oldest average of anybody. And that's with Phil winning at 50. It still is a consistent, you know, it yields. There's a reward there for experience. There's a reward there for knowing how 
where to leave your shots and how to play links golf and, or, you know, links ish golf, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, it's interesting. And it would certainly look, you've waited long enough, England, right? Like we, you know, the, the phrase I heard about 10 million times over the last few months is it's coming home and it didn't quite, but this would be a nice consolation prize. I think that could probably, you know, delight some English sports fans and really golf fans everywhere. I mean, I've contended for years that if Lee Westwood was American, he would be one of the most popular players in the world and would, or, or here in the States, he already has been one of the most popular in the world, but in the United States, he would have been even more popular um, than he is now here. So um, yeah, it'd be an incredible story. That's not where I'm going at a similar price point. I've got a guy, you know, you threw, you said, you know, you screw your analytics nerd boy. That's kind of the phrase I heard from you, but I, I, I did not call you nerd boy. Oh, that's how way. Well, yeah. And you, there's nerd some interpretation. Man. Nerd, nerd yeah. sir. Nerd man. Yes. There you go. That's good. Yeah, I'm a father now, Jason. Nerd man. Um, I, I'm looking at a guy that I know that, look, he gets ragged on because he's he hasn't broken through with that second victory, but Tony Finau has been exceptional on Lynx courses throughout his career. The only player, as we talked about, to finish in the top 10, both 2018 and 2019, I think 45 to 1 is a – that's a wild number for me for a guy who's that talented and has had that many high finishes. Um so, and even if you're not really, if you're not taking that candy to, to, to win the whole thing, there's gotta I'm be not. some value for you for a top 10. You're not, you're saying no way, oh, but I, you, you keep, you've sold me on everything you've said so far, except all the Tony Finau stuff. All right. Fair it. enough. Well, let's go, let's go a little bit lower then. Cause I've got a couple other guys okay. that might, that might fit, that makes a little, that might make a little more sense. And this is really further down the board, a guy that. Adam Scott is 110 to one. And I know I talked about earlier how consistent he's been over the years on links courses, seven top 25s of the open championship since 2011. The average is about 1.7 strokes gained per round on links courses over the last decade, a really high number. Um, I think that's a crazy number. I've got him to top 20. He has top twenties in two of his last three starts. It fit the narrative of the veteran player succeeding and, and breaking through with another big win in 2021. I could see him contending. And then a guy I liked last week, you go down the board, Mr. Amarillo, Texas, Ryan Palmer played awesome at the Scottish Open. He's a guy who I really think would be inspired. I know I talked about this last week, and, and I'll probably mention it again at some point on the pod, but inspired by guys like his peers, Stuart Sink, Phil Mickelson, Lucas Glover. These are guys he's, he's been playing golf with for 15, 20 years. Um, and, you know, I think it would be a great story for Ryan Palmer to contend. So I don't have him winning the Open Championship, but, you know, I think I might have a ticket on him to top 10. Okay. I don't mind that whatsoever. And he's got a big number next to his name this week too. Again, big number. I, I don't know that the win equity is necessarily there, but yeah, for a top 10, certainly don't mind. And a few other mid-tier plays that I like from uh, guys that, uh, again, not for outrights, but top 10s, top 20s. Christian Bezidenhut, who uh, has shown up at major championships. So he was, let me see if I get this right, T5, I believe, going into the weekend at Kiowa, going into the final round at Kiowa, shot 77. He was T9 going into the final round at Torrey Pines, shot 76. Now, I know a lot of people could extrapolate that information and say, well, he can't get it done on the final day when it means the most. I would take that information and say, okay, he's still learning how to deal with final round major championship pressure. Those experiences should steal him for the next time that he's in those situations. And so I do like him. Uh, Corey Connors, who played terribly, on Thursday at the Scottish, played great on Friday at the Scottish. Uh, I think that Friday ball striking will carry over to this week. Brandon Grace, who I've been on a lot recently, I liked him to win the Scottish last week. Apparently that didn't happen. I, I'm still checking around to see if uh, why his name's not at the top. But 
Uh, I still like him moving forward this week. It's all right. <laughs> and, and here's uh, you will you will call me with Tony Fina. I, I will see your Tony Fina and raise you a Jason Day. I know oh. a lot of people haven't even heard Jason Day's name in a long time. Jason's been tenth and fourteenth in his last two starts. He's played well at the Open in the past. And look, I don't want to delve into a player's family life, person, but. Just recently had his fourth child. I can't imagine the family's traveling with him. Just a chance to get away, to be out on your own, to go abroad, to sort of just kind of, you know, caddy is a buddy of his, and they're going to hang out and have a good time. That might be the secret formula for Jason Day this week. I, I like him because of that. I think you're speaking my language here with this, this break away with a newborn. Uh, I recently was on the road for the first time. And I missed the hell out of my son and, and being with my wife and son, obviously. But there's something to be said there about that sleeping through the night, a little extra value there. And you're right. I mean, Jason, they played, played well. The Travelers Championship was contending into the weekend. Um, that's interesting. That's an interesting call. I mean, and we know what the ceiling is for that guy, right? I mean, there was a stretch there for 18 months where he was far and away the best player on the planet. He was nearly in that really memorable 2015 Open Championship coming down the stretch. You know, we all – Probably remember Jordan Spieth nearly getting into the playoff, but Jason Day missed the playoff by one shot as well. Zach Johnson ultimately won. So that's an interesting call. Just looking a little bit further down the board, a couple other guys who are interesting. Sam Burns is somebody who just continues to just kind of explosively pop up in places. And you mm-hmm. see like how talented he is. It's probably not all there. I don't think he's, he's that's just, it's not the finished product yet. Right. Like he's, he's going to be somebody who's going to be reckoned with in the future, but Way down the board at 90 to one. He's kind of interesting to me as maybe to take a flyer on. We're going to make our DraftKings lineup in a little bit here on the pod. I'm not sure if you've checked out DraftKings yet and looked at Sam Burns, but somebody missed something on that algorithm. Somebody didn't carry a one somewhere. And Sam Burns is going to be your secret bingo square. Dirt cheap. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. I'm good with Burns. All right. Nice. (laughs) Anybody else? Is there, is there a Ben Curtis out there? Is there a guy that's just, he's a million to one and Hey, take a chance on him. I'll give you, okay. Give you two names. One really doesn't fit. One's more of a, I guess, Darren Clark type of odds as opposed to Ben Curtis, but all right, I'll give you two guys on the European tour. Guido Migliazzi. We saw play really well at Torrey Pines T4. I think you can argue that Royal St. George's might be more his speed than Torrey Pines. And so uh, I like Guido this week. Always like Guido. One other guy I like, I mentioned him on the podcast last week, and you immediately jumped on me and said, oh, well, he's missed four cuts in a row. Well, you know what? Now he's made one cut in a row. Victor Perez, uh, he's a top 50 player in the world. This guy's a, a guy with a great swing. And when he's got it going, he gets going really well. He obviously has some experience playing over in Europe. So I think there's a decent number on Victor Perez. I, I like that guy. So I was trying to scour the bottom of the odds board here, just dig deep, see if I could come up with a Ben Curtis equivalent it's somewhere. And I, I looked at a guy and I'm like, oh, this guy shot 63 at an open championship before. What's Hao Tong Lee been up to? Full disclosure, not completely aware of what his record has been this year. Mr. Hao Tong hasn't played a weekend round this year Ooh. anywhere. He's WD'd or miscut, missed a cut for, in every event he's played around the world this year. I wish That's I had a problem a job because you don't get paid off. in the sport if you play on the weekend. Yeah, but having weekends off is nice. It 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 can be. Yeah, for sure. It's probably not good for his bank account. His caddy's probably not ecstatic about it. Yeah, that's a fair point, too. 
So I'm going to back off, just back away. You know, just trying to do some spur of the moment research live when we're recording. I'm just going to slowly back away from how tong week. Okay. No how tong this week. Armitage is that's an interesting call. A name I saw on here that I always pick if you can neutralize putting is Ben on, but Ben on has a horrific links golf record in his career. So I'll avoid him. I'll go with a guy who's, who's flashed in some major championships. He had a top 10 at the open a few years ago. Um, you know, Danny Willett's played better golf recently. He's 250 to one. I'm not going to pick mm. him, win, obviously, but it just seems like every year we've got a past major champion at the open championship who plays some good golf. Um, I could see him with a top 20 finish. Um, it's so hard to find somebody down the board. I mean, you're asking me to be our guest here in a minute, Sam Harrop, who just went with Min Woo Lee out of the gates and just, just a flamethrower. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to find a value like that. Right. I mean, I, We've had, look, Phil Mickelson's the only player ranked outside the top 50 in the world rankings to win a major since the beginning of 2012. So um, we don't see it a lot in the game now. But, yeah, if you got to go deep, I'll pick a guy who's won a major championship and had some high finishes before dating Willett. It's interesting you say Willett's name because I've often likened Willett to Martin Keimer. I think they're sort of similar type of players, kind of, hey, when they're on their game, they can play with anybody, but they're usually not on their game. And so you you never really know when they're going to kind of spike and start playing great golf but Danny Willett's record if he wins this week and I get it that that's a major major if but it looks very similar to Martin Geimers with two yeah. major championships two, two guys two guys you know Ryder Cup team members um and more so though two guys who are interested in other stuff too you know mm-hmm. in life and not just you know golf hardcore all the time so um yeah I don't know you, you gotta dig deep um He's somebody who's got a really good short game when it's on, and that's going to be valuable here this week at Royal St. George's. All right. Without further ado, let's get to our favorite Englishman on the board, Sam Harrop. Or as we call him around here, the Minwoo Lee Whisperer. If you were listening to the pod last week, Sam came on and told us all about Minwoo Lee and how you know he hasn't been playing great golf, but he really likes the 22-year-old, and you might want to take a chance on him. What a great call, Sam. That earned you another trip back to the pod. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Yeah, obviously an outside an outside pick, but he's a player that I've been watching for a couple of years ever since he got his, his maiden win on the European Tour, and I thought, you know, he's got massive potential, and he just, yeah, I thought there was enough going for him to take a take a chance at that price. And his positive thoughts on Instagram with a with a kicker, you know, I know you weren't sure about that as a uh, as a premise to back someone, but you know. <laughs> No, uh, obviously, always look at Instagram for players, and that's where you're going to get all of your best picks from now on. I, as I told you on Twitter, Sam, you're supposed to start out by sandbagging a little bit so that, you know, we can give you a shot. Instead, like, uh, you're coming on as a plus five now based on that pick, so you're going to have to give me and Jay Ray some shots. Yeah, I mean, it'll probably happen this week, let's be honest. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go back-to-back 150-to-one shots anyway. No, no, that's why everybody's listening right now. I mean, no pressure or anything, but you better nail this pick once again. So uh, let's get right into it. What are you looking at from the top of the board? Who are your favorite outrights? And uh, uh, let's get into what you think of uh, the golf course at Royal St. George's as well. Yeah, so it's it's a, I mean, it's quite a quirky uh, open venue, really. Uh, You know, it's it's slightly different to the others. It's past 70, you know, it's... Yeah, it's it's an interesting challenge, um, and it's an interesting challenge from a you know betting perspective to kind of pick through the uh, the players, especially those who haven't played the course before, especially those who haven't played a lot of links golf. But top of the board for me, uh, Xander Schauffele is the one that I like of those of the kind of shorter prices. Um, you know, everyone 
everyone will agree. I'm, I'm sure that he's going to win a, a major at some point sooner, sooner rather than later. And I actually quite like him to do it here where maybe there's a bit less pressure uh, than there is for, you know, something like the US Open, you know, sort of home, you know, it's home open. I think coming over here, there's a bit less pressure. You know, he played, you know, really well last week, uh, finished 10th in Scotland. It was a good warm up. Um, and I think the, the big thing is he's finished in the top 10 in four of his last six majors. And that's just, you know, that, that says a lot. Um, and he was runner up with Carnoustie in what I think are going to be relatively similar conditions to what we'll see this week in, in terms of the, uh, you know, the, I think the course at the moment is probably a little bit soft, but uh, the weather uh, from kind of Wednesday onwards is going to be hot and, and sunny and it's going to really dry out. Um, so, yeah, uh, 18 to 1, you know, it's not a huge price, but, you know, of, of those of, of those those kind of shorter prices, he's, he's the one that I think I'm going to, you know, pin my, uh, pin my hopes on. Yeah, 17 major starts for Xander Shoffley now, nine top 10 finishes. You can't really have a better start to a major championship career than he's had. And another number I really like, uh, I wrote a piece for PGATour.com that went up on Monday about some of the players who have really excelled on link-style golf courses uh, over the last few years. And Xander has gained nearly two full strokes per round on the field on link-style golf courses. And I kind of classified it as coastal courses on the British Isles. So not a ton of a sample size there for Xander, but, you know, a guy who I like a lot too. Looking a little bit further down the board, you know, you get beyond those favorites. Who's somebody you think uh, maybe in that kind of second tier, if you classify that, yeah. as you like this week? Uh, yeah, so a couple. So Sergio Garcia, I think, is maybe being a little bit slept on at the moment. You know, uh, great, great links player. You know, he's 6-1. Six, six to one. Course form here, uh, you know, he's finished 10th and 9th. Uh, and the two is two Royal St. George's starts. Um, and then current for, you know, his last three starts, he's finished in the top 20. So, you know, his game is obviously in a decent place. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's kind of been quite relatively quiet, uh, you know, since his, since his win. Um, but he's, he's one of these players. He'll just show up on the, on the big occasion. And I think, you know, obviously the, the question mark always with him is his putting, isn't it? But um, I think the kind of links, you know, the links greens uh, probably suit him better than probably anything else when it comes to that. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good price over, you know, a major champion um, and a Lynx specialist. Yeah, I don't mind that. And Sergio went through really like a three-year span where his major championship performances were brutal. And then finally uh, just put together a good one at Torrey Pine. So at least enough to get us to think, okay, he can still play the major championships. It's not like something in his head. It's not a mental block. It's not anything else that he can at least yeah. go out there and post a couple of good scores. So I, I don't dislike Sergio this week either. Uh, let's get into some of these bigger numbers too. Uh, Darren Clark won 10 years ago on this very golf course, 150 to one before that eight years before it, Ben Curtis, who was, I, I'm, I've done the research anywhere from 300 to one to 500 to one. If you even knew his name at that point, he had never won on the professional level before. I, I just, I'm still waiting. There's got to be a story of somebody out there that like, oh, I thought it was Curtis Strange. I thought it was Ben, ben somebody Crenshaw. else. Like, yeah, Ben <laughs> Crenshaw. I, I thought it was someone else and I bet on the wrong guy. And oops, I got a Ben Curtis ticket out there. Uh, I think his, his nickname afterwards should have just been Field because he was probably more Field bets than anything else. But uh, there is um, at least a very small sample size of a pattern of long shots that have one on this golf course. So anybody from those big numbers, Sam, that you're looking at? 
Yeah, so my, my kind of really rank outside or, or two of them, um, Richard Bland, um, you know, oh, obviously he, everyone knows the story about, uh, about Bland. And, and really, you know, for me, it's, it's more of a top, top 10 play. He's 14 to 1 for top 10. He's 200 to 1 uh, for the win. Maybe it's a lot to ask. But, you know, he was 22nd in his only, he's only played the Open once. He was 22nd there, I was in 2017. Um, you know, he's kept playing well ever since he ever since he won, you know, the British Masters. It's not like he, you know, he won his event and then suddenly his form, you know, has gone, it's basically reverted to, you know, the norm. He's, he's continued to play really well. He was fourth in Ireland, 15th last week in Scotland. Um, you know, his ball striking was great last week as well, uh, which is obviously a good sign. And obviously, as Darren Clark proved, you know, that kind of oldies, Oldies can win here. Obviously, he's he's even older than than Darren Clark was when he when he won here. But um, but it's the year of the oldie, right? Yeah, so far uh, the guy at the top of my list is uh, he's not a young guy whatsoever. So you know, certainly we can uh, see some of these old guys up there near the top. Now, Sam, I, I've got to ask you. Um, I, I know you're heartbroken, as were many of your uh, fellow Englishmen and women uh, on Sunday afternoon. But um, it it was coming home. It didn't come home. Can the other it come home? Can the claret jug come home to England this week? And if so, who would be the player? Yeah, I mean, it can do. It can do. Uh, I mean, it's, it would be interesting to know whether or not that the, the football result will have a, an impact on, on players' belief. Uh, or if we had one, whether that might have had a positive effect. But, um, you know, I, I did look at Lee Westwood for, for a long while. Um, you know, he played so well last week. Um, you know he's obviously obviously a link specialist, um, and he's been playing great golf. Uh, even better, it seems, having his you know new wife on the back. Um, the only the only question mark over him is his, his actual course form here at Royal St George, which is not which doesn't look good. But um, it, yeah, but he you know he, took, he, he I think he had, I think he did well here as an amateur. So you know he knows how to play play well here. He's probably the one that I'd, I'd look at. You know. Um, Tyrrell Hatton is the other is the other obvious one. I'll give you another guy. I know Westwood is the English tug the heartstring story, and I've talked with we talked Jason and I have talked numerous times about how him winning the Open Championship this year would be one of the great stories in sports all over the world for the year. Ian Poulter shot sixty three Sunday at the Scottish Open, and he's been sneakily playing some pretty consistent golf. He's still an elite putter. He has the third most one putts per round in major championships championship since 2016 he would be a pretty remarkable one too i know that we always yep. hammer him. it's a Ryder cup year ian poulter is gonna play well well there's more to it than that he's played some pretty good golf recently i kind of and he would fit that veteran player mold that we've seen this year stewart sink successes phil mickelson obviously lucas glover won yesterday at the john deere so um i don't know kind of a that's somebody that i'll also throw in there on that industry This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. 
So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-88-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. And there he goes, our friend Sam. If he picks another winner like Minwoo Lee, either he will not be invited back on the podcast next week or we'll just give him the podcast and he can just take over for us, Jay, right? Yeah, no kidding. Just go ahead and take my spot, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. All right, let's move on to our DraftKings lineup. We do it every week here on the podcast. Uh, picking six players, going back and forth. Usually, Jay Ray, I defer to you and let you have the first pick. This week, I am electing to receive. I want the first pick. Okay. And I'm going with the most underpriced, undervalued player or yeah, undervalued player on the board. I, Sam Burns is 6,300 on DraftKings, and I'm like speechless about it. And somehow the algorithm forgot to carry the two and make him <laughs> 8,300 this week. I, I don't know what happened. If you're worried that, hey, well, Sam Burns doesn't have that much Lynx experience, so maybe it won't be that good for him. He played last week at the Scottish Open and finished in 18th place. I mean, the guy's game will travel. He is a top 40 player in the world. And so at 6,300, you can either have Poom Saxanen you can have Laird Shepard, or you can have Sam Burns. I'm going to go yeah, with Let's Sam go Burns with the guy who's led like 12 rounds on the PGA Tour this year. Yeah, why not? Nice. Okay, well, that's a great way to start us off. Got a ton of, uh, of money left in the bank here. I'm going to go with another guy I think is really undervalued. Nearly won last week, uh, lost in the playoff to Minwoo Lee. Matt Fitzpatrick is only 7,900. That is a, you know, you can always find good, really good players at good prices in major championships because the field's so strong. But 7,900 strikes me as way too low for Fitzpatrick um, on this type of golf course. I think we got to have him on the team. So let's add him in our second spot. Yeah, I like that play a lot. Um, I can't pick Lee Westwood to win and not put Lee Westwood in the lineup. I think there's a nice yeah. number, 7,500 for DraftKings. I, I just think it could be one of those sort of magical rides for Westwood. And maybe it doesn't wind up in a victory, but I, I could certainly see him in the mix on a Sunday afternoon. He certainly has all of the intangibles necessary to contend on this golf course. So I'm going Lee Westwood. What an incredible story that would be too. I know we've talked about it over the last, you know, several months as he's had this resurgence in his game. I don't love picking the most expensive guy on the board. Come on, splurge. We've we've got the money, right? I mean, and this guy has been ridiculous the last several months. I think we got to have John Rahm on the team. I mean, I think that, Look, I mentioned the stat earlier about how rare it is for players to win their first two majors in consecutive starts. It's only happened three times in the modern era. I just can't I can't look away from the guy in terms of what he's done over the last several months. I mean, if it wasn't for the positive COVID test, he'd be rolling in here with a win-win and a near-win at the Scottish Open. Uh, so let's go with John Rahm. Yeah, I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with you spending the money for him. So I, you know what? Hmm, I'm looking here at the lineup. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go low and let you take a guy that you like. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just basically gonna like serve up the alley oop to you, uh, and I'm gonna take a guy that you like too, and then give you another one that you like. I mean, this is basically a J Ray lineup with a couple of my little uh, I like my details in here. Uh, Ryan Palmer, this guy that played well last okay. week, finished one shot out of a playoff. You liked him last week. Why not Ryan Palmer in some windy conditions? Uh, I can see him playing well this week, and that leaves you ten thousand. Is there anybody out there at ten thousand that you like? There we go. Shout out Amarillo, Texas, there uh, for Ryan Palmer. Um, I mean, you, you put it on a tee for me. A guy who is my favorite outright play of the week. I he's going to be my pick to win. Uh, Xander Shoffley is right there with ten thousand. That's rounding out our team. Talked about how good he is um, on Lynx golf courses throughout his young career. Top 10 finishes and more than half of his career major championship starts, which is ridiculous. My favorite numbers, though, about him on Lynx courses is that he just basically does everything well. His putting is great on Lynx courses. He's got a great scrambling number. He hits more greens in regulation in the field by about 6 to 7%. Got to have him on the team, man. You left him. He left me the money, so I spent it. Let's go with Xander Shoffley. We always say it at major championships because of the soft pricing that every lineup looks good. Burns, Fitz, Westy, Rom, Palmer, Xander. That looks good. That looks like a really good lineup, but they all look good on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll see how it looks starting on Thursday. Can't wait for this thing to get underway. The 149th Open Championship at Royal St. George's. Remember to check Golf Bet for all of our coverage this week and every other week. For Justin Ray of the 21st Group, I'm Jason Sobel from Golf Bet. Thanks so much, as always, for listening to our podcast. Good luck with all your plays for this week's Open. Here's hoping you... Hit the green. We're finished talking.